Hey everyone, welcome back to Working Comic Podcast, episode 45. In this episode, I interviewed the very talented Biniam Bazuna, a rising stand-up comic in the Los Angeles comedy scene. He recently was featured on Comedy Central Presents, and he also has a couple sketches on Comedy Central Digital. Uh, so he's super talented, and we talk a lot in this interview about his work experience, actually, at Maker Studio when he first moved out to L.A., uh, Maker Studio, uh, for those of you guys who don't know, is a company that works with influencers and social media stars and connects them to branding and corporate sponsors and just helps them grow. Uh, it's an old company that was acquired by Disney, as we talk about. But uh, the principles and uh, practices that he learned uh, in his experience here really helped him in his comedy career and uh, helped him boost his own social media presence and his own online following and it also helped with his own you know side projects and you know digital projects so it's really cool to learn about this experience and see how we can apply it to our own work i learned a lot from it and i think it really benefited me so i hope you guys can benefit as well thank you and enjoy Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming out from North Hollywood. Was this far for you? No, it was like 17 minutes according to my ETA or my uh, maps. So not far, but not like super close. Like okay. Mid- midway. Cool. Yeah. Not bad. Mm-hmm. And you know um, my good friend Nathan Mosher. And yes, I know Nathan. Richie and those guys. I know the whole crew back from doing the, the original boy band yeah, crew. Boy band like Callie and Kingsley too and yeah. George. George. Alex Payne. Edgar. Like, yeah, I know that whole crew. It seems like none of the original people are part of it. Not none. It's like it's just literally just Matt Duckett and uh, Dylan. And is Salma still in it? Salma's not in it anymore. Oh, man, yeah. Even Salma just graduated UCLA. Wow. Yeah. I, I think of her as a sophomore in my head. You know what I mean? Yeah, she was a sophomore when we were seniors. Okay. And now she's graduated yeah which is crazy i used to live in culver city so i would always go to that mic and then i would sometimes come and do the show but now i live on the east side so i never go over there yeah Mm -hmm. is that how you met nathan and them you would just through boy band or the improv space yeah i think i met nathan through it had to have just been doing improv space and then it was before they did boy band i knew nathan Uh uh-huh um yeah i think it was because i knew edgar because somebody uh hooked me up with him through like it was when he first moved to LA one of his friends like hooked me up with him and then I think him and Nathan asked me to do their show and oh. I like met everyone else through that that's awesome yeah yeah nice dude so did you were you always in LA or no I'm from Indiana and then that, I so that's here. when you moved it's 2012 so, oh. so I've been here since I got out of college um, in 2012 interesting wait so you met Edgar from when you moved or when he moved? When Wait, he sorry. Here. Okay. I'd been, been here for about two years or so. And then his friend that I'm not sure how he knows, this guy George Kimmel, hit me up and was like, my friend is moving here, this guy Edgar, and I think you guys would get along. And then he like connected us on Facebook or something. And then me and Edgar would text and we met up at an open mic. Because back then Edgar was doing stand-up or doing open mics. Yeah. And then... I feel like I met, and that's how I met Callie and Kingsley and Edgar. And then I might have known Nathan individually from like doing open mics, and yeah. they all came together when I did boy band. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So, yo, let's uh, 
walk me through kind of like how you got to LA. Why did you move in 2012? So in college, um, I had started doing stand-up because we had this comedy club that opened up like when I was a freshman. It was called the, back then it was called the Funny Bone. Now it's called the Comedy Attic. And I was just lucky to be there like right when it opened. And I had done like theater in high school and made stuff for our school news. So I just always knew I kind of wanted to try stand-up because it felt like it was in line with those yeah. other things. And so I started doing stand-up in college and it was fun and working out. And then at the same time, I was like making video stuff for the like, I don't know if you, you guys probably had this at UCLA where there's like a closed network TV channel that just goes to dorms. Oh, that's right. A lot of colleges had it. Um, Dan Peralt said he started, he's the one of the creators of American Vandal. He said he would do that too. So yeah, yeah. But our UCLA actually doesn't have one for some reason. But okay. I know what it is. It's probably because people are making actual TV. Like they're just like, I'm dropping out to make a real TV show because they're yeah, like I know, in right? Hollywood. Uh, but I was at Indiana University and that's how I did the same thing. Like it's a good little like training ground where not that many people can see it. So you're free to fail and make, Shit that's terrible. Um, and I had my own little like late night show on there. Sounds like kind of like what UCLA radio does. Yeah, probably. Like they all have their own shows and it's mm -hmm. like a public thing amongst UCLA people. Yeah, yeah. And you can just be, like radio. You can be of like TV. campus famous, you know, mm -hmm. or just yeah. people on campus. Like, dude, I saw you on that shit when I got back from the bars and was drunk and you were doing some, you know, like people. And so you have like a very small test audience to like see if your stuff works and if people are resonating with it and so I did both those things stand up and that um and was like listening to podcasts too yeah people doing comedy like I was listening to you made it weird and with WTF and they both were like you need to move to a place where you can do stand up like every night of the week if you really want to do stand up and you couldn't Maybe in Indiana you could, but you had to drive like a shit ton and it probably still, to do it every night. Yeah, and it'd still only be like five days a week, maybe. Um, and I and I knew I just wanted to move to New York or LA. I didn't even consider Chicago for some reason. I think yeah. I was like, well, I knew if I moved to Chicago, I'm gonna eventually have to move to New York or LA. And so uh, I got this internship in LA. I was just like applying for stuff in New York and LA, and one thing worked out in LA. So then came here. And my whole goal was to turn that job or turn that internship into a job by the end of it. And this was after my senior year that I did this internship. Mm -hmm. And then that internship turned into a job. And it was at this place called Maker Studios. Oh, I think I heard, You've heard of that. that. It's, it was like um, a YouTube production and management company. Yeah. It was in Culver so City. Aren't they like an influencer thing? Yeah. Platform? They were. Like uh, they ended up getting bought by Disney and kind of like dissolving into Disney's. Really? interactive that must have been recent right yeah i remember it was still a thing when i last looked it up so it's like so I, they might still have a website but it's all like within disney so it was like this place where it was started by youtubers who were like we need our own company that's like for us by us like fubu for youtubers kind of thing and uh they were all some of the people who were like first big on YouTube. I don't know if you remember any of these people like Kasim G and yeah. Lisa Nova uh -huh. and I don't even remember. Uh, who's another guy like that? Uh, that guy, Shay Carl was one of them. He's just some family vlogger. But anyway, all these people came together, made this company and it started to grow and they started to become like a management company for other 
YouTubers. And then they started hiring more and more people. And I was one of the people who was supposed to be a manager for comedy YouTubers because I'd done comedy in the past. And so I was supposed to like offer them advice like, you know, make your thumbnails look like this and here's how you collaborate with this guy and that'll help you. And then whenever brand deals would come in, I would like help them write the ideas. It'd be like, Nike wants to do something with this guy. What are some things that will fit on his channel that are like would still shout out Nike and not be too much like a commercial that would still fit in with his content and I would help them pitch ideas. And That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And I learned a lot from like working there. Yeah, it was cool. That's super relevant to now, like yeah, what you have to do. Totally. I imagine. It, it like, it came in hand. They were I like, I was almost using some of them like, it was like guinea pigs in a way because I would be like, yo, why don't you try this thing? And then it wouldn't work. And I'd be like, okay, I won't do that when I do my thing. Yeah, and you you're know? like, hey man, it's okay. As yeah. if like, <laughs> that was was the right thing to do, like, yeah, for sure. Because there was no right way to do the job. Yeah, because it was so new. That was like a position that didn't exist. This is like 2012, and people monetizing on YouTube and making it like a business was such a new thing that there wasn't really the best way it should be done. Um, so yeah, I like made a lot of friends there and learned how to do stuff, and I. And I was doing stand-up at the same time and doing these open mics and running like my own weekly show. And I was just kind of realizing that so many of these stand-ups I would see were hilarious, but they didn't use like YouTube or the internet in that way yet. Yeah. But then I would see these kids who, when I first got to Maker, I kind of looked at like, this isn't real comedy. These are just kids in their bedroom. But then after a while, I was like, well, they're getting their message out. They're getting their their stuff out there and they have like, you know, 300,000 people who watch their every, every move and watch every video they put out. So I was like, how do I combine like what I consider to be like great stand up comedy, like, and the, the type of comedy that I think is good and that isn't like shitty internet stuff with the getting it out there in a way where people will take it in. And so, that's when I decided to make, uh, I made this series called Lie Guys on YouTube that was kind of like combining um, my stand-up sensibility with a format that would work on the internet from what I've learned through all these years. Of That's so cool. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of like these long-form narrative pranks or like long cons. It was very much inspired by like Nathan For You and Sasha yeah, yeah, yeah. Cohen. And, uh, and yeah, and I, I like, I set it up in a way that I thought would work based on like seeing how my friends things worked. And there were so many little things I did to it to make it work for a YouTube audience. But at the same time, it was like using all the experience I had learned from comedy and from making stuff in college like videos and so it didn't feel like I was selling out or anything I was like I actually like this still that's so cool that's what I was always trying to figure out and I always mm -hmm. thought that was the hardest thing ever to yeah. make content that you like and then you put it on and then it totally bombs online because it's yeah. not matching how people pay attention to things well yeah because it's like I think a big thing that like these big companies would mess up with back at least back then they probably still are was they would make stuff for YouTube that would be for TV or would be like for um, like, it'd be like a movie, you know? And, and, and that's not why people go to YouTube. Like they would make something that is, they're like, this is, we spent $300,000 on this and it looks like TV and why don't people like it? 
And I don't think people go to YouTube to for the same reason that they watch a, a TV show or for the same reason that they go to the movies. I like so my friend uh, this is he used to work at CAA as an assistant and he he I was getting some success working at this maker place like I was giving advice to some guy and this guy's like channel blew up and so people at maker was like oh this guy knows what he's talking about and my friend brought me in to speak at this CAA like comedy meeting to tell them about how the internet works and I had no idea what I was talking about I was just like talking out of my ass but there was one thing I said that I looked back on it and I was like okay that thing actually was right and it was like I said this thing where I was like um okay, uh, when you go to watch, this is how long ago it was, I was like, when you go to watch Gravity in the movie theater, you are Sandra Bullock floating in space. You go to forget that you exist. But when you go to watch YouTube, you go to hang out with a friend. And so it's the whole idea that like you have to break the fourth wall on YouTube because they're not going there, like they're not going there to forget they exist and to be like, uh, basically live through someone, They're go the whole time you're watching a YouTube video, you know you exist. You're just, the fourth wall is constantly broken. Does, yeah. Does that make, do you get what I'm saying? Because um, they want to be engaged with. Exactly. They like, don't want to like watch something like Netflix. It's like a different It's a different audience. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And so when I was making my thing, I made them, like they were unscripted in a way, kind of like Nathan for you, but they started with me speaking directly to camera, each one of them. And I think that helped make Interesting. them work. Because it was like, Oh, we can engage with this, you know, rather than you're just making a short film or something. That's so cool. Yeah. Sorry, my brother called. I don't know why my whole family they have to stop leaving me alone. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But uh, damn, mm -hmm. that's so interesting. Um, so, are a lot of the co content you posted? It's you, like you incorporate you in some element, kind of communicating. Yeah. To the audience? I would kind of make it like a stand-up bit where I would say I would have some sort of thing. I was, like, one of them is, like, I, um, I like, I, I'm a fan of this R&B singer, The Weeknd, and I saw this video of him, and his fans were just, like, mobbing him on the streets. And this was before he was really popular. It's like, 2013. So I was, like, we're both Ethiopians, so if I make myself look enough like him, will people think I am him? And they'll do like that, and then it shows the crowd going all crazy, but for me. And so that was kind of like, it all starts almost like a stand-up bit of like, I was thinking this, so what if I did this? Would this happen? Like kind of like, here's my prime thesis or yeah. whatever. And then you see me setting up for doing it and just making you invested, and then you see the actual thing happen. That's so cool. Yeah. Did you get a lot of people watching those? Yeah, like each one of them. You know, like, I, w I don't know if they're mega viral, but, like, some of them got on Reddit and got, like, 200,000, 300,000, you know, like, like enough to where I think I got, like, 40,000 subscribers from them. That's you know? amazing. And it was just, like, for just starting out, it was, like, okay, there's clear traction here and people, you know, fuck with it. So it, it worked. Yeah, and then I ended up, and my whole goal with it was if I, if I make, like, let's say eight or nine of these and I treat it like a TV show where I edit each one of them and figure out what the branding is and make them really consistent and make them link back to each other in the end slate where like once you finish watching one, it'll be like, here's like three more you can watch that are like this uh -huh. and release them with this really calculated way that they'll build on each other with each one 
and that if one goes big, then the rest of them will still get views and that um, it would just be really uniform and people would know. It would feel like a TV show is what I wanted. So I so what I did is I shot them over like maybe a two or three month period and then I spent seven or eight months like just editing and fit and kind of I would show them live at comedy shows to see what the response would be and then I would change them based on like oh like this part doesn't really work and would like re-edit them and then I had them all finished and edited before I released the first one and then I released them every two weeks or so for about um, uh, two and a half months wow um, and then the, yeah the goal was like maybe this will help me get like representation so I can start getting like real TV work or getting paid to like you want to write on this thing or do you want to you know just get an acting agent so I can audition for stuff like that's that's what I wanted from it and, uh, it, worked, and it worked out that's awesome yeah wait so you just decided ahead of time you're like I'm going to release these every two weeks for two and a half months mm -hmm. and like because I know one thing I always ran into was how to just because for my YouTube channel we would kind of release sporadically and I think that wasn't good for us mm -hmm. um, and I always wondered like it's it seems so daunting to be like I'm gonna do this every week forever yeah how do you I like find like it seemed the most daunting impossible totally. task I I think I had the benefit of like working with these people who had to like make stuff continuously oh shit I gotta get a video out by Tuesday and they'd have to just put out some shit because they have to keep up with their schedule and they actually made it in the span of those six days came up with the idea shot it edited it put it out and I didn't ever want to feel like I was a slave to some schedule or, yeah that's what I was like I yeah. want to do that but I never want to feel like that exactly. so I didn't know what to do so, so I knew I knew like knowing knowing myself and knowing that like I'm also like too precious to do that I can't it's hard for me to put stuff out in general so I knew I had to have the time to work on it and make it good and feel confident about it before I put it out so that's why I did the thing where I was like I'm gonna make all of these beforehand so that like like they do with TV shows where they have their whole season done before they start releasing any of that season and then just be like, this is one season of this and there would be a definite end point and maybe I'll make more of them. Maybe I won't. Maybe it'll, maybe I'll get another a job off this and then I won't have to make any more of these, you know, yeah. but it was, it was very clearly like I, I didn't want to set myself up to like ha keep, having to make them. that's cool because then you can define the beginning and end time for the project so it's not daunting and you can also do other stuff afterwards and totally. not feel like a slave to it yeah yeah because i did not want it because i i'd see so many people they'd make a video every week they're like new videos every monday and they would have to do stuff like responding to fan q a's and uh just bullshit like um see me walk to the dentist and i was like i would hate myself if i had to do any vlog i, I just couldn't do it yeah you know so i knew that every if i was gonna put stuff out i wanted it to be to be good, good. yeah that's so cool well I mean, there's nothing wrong with that i don't think because i think some people are really good at doing that and they're that's what they but you have to make. do that forever and then like how would you totally. you lose your product when you stop well, I in think with, with those people and the people that are really good at that, it's like they are their product. It's not really about 
it's kind of about the way they edit it and whatever, but it's more about just like them being like, you want to, you want to see me do anything. And mine, I was like, I don't want to be that. I want it to be like, it's about this idea and the video and the execution of it. And sure, it's like my sense of humor and whatever, but I never wanted to just be like, you're hanging out with me when I go open my mail. Yeah. You know, I was like, ah, that, that's just not what I want to do. So that's cool. So off that one season, you got a lot of traction. How did you go about marketing that and like feeling like you were also doing comedy stuff while you're kind of um, promoting that? I mean, I think that one of my friends said something once about how uh, you can either have like you have all these sectors of your life where there's like there's friendships and then there's professional life and then there's relationships and then there's family and how like one of those is always going to suffer and you have to choose like you can have three but you can't have all or you can have you know and there's and I think like that's really true like I think at that time I just made a choice I was like well I'm not going to date anybody because I know that this is what I'm focused on you know yeah. like maybe like, not seriously see some people but like I just was like very uh, focused on that so I just what did I do I uh, I would get home from work every night and just work on editing that and I would uh, I would you know I didn't really have like a really regimented like Monday through Friday I work on this and then I do stand up on Saturday it was it was way more just seeing what comes but I knew that that I just had a, my main priority was finishing that and then maybe stand up was second and then all my friends were just people I would see doing stand up and people at work, you know. So uh -huh. I didn't really feel like I had to try that hard to like keep that up. It just was like part of my normal lifestyle. Um, so you prioritize doing this and then stand up second. Yes. Did you make an effort to be like, I have to do stand up this week, so I'm gonna um, have to just? It kind of worked out where like there was this time where I didn't have a car for like maybe seven months in LA. Like I had a car and then. It just, I, I think I got too many parking tickets on it, and then it got towed, and then it was such a shitty car that I just didn't, I was like, oh, this isn't worth however much I'm going to have to pay to get this car back. So you just left it? So I let them keep it, and they were like, yeah, we can sell it at um, repo, and we can add whatever that money is towards your, uh, however much you owe us, and then I just never heard about it again. I was like, I guess it must have been equal to the amount I owed, and then I just I just and I lived really close to where I worked, where I could like skateboard there. So yeah. I was like, this is a blessing because now it's harder for me to like go to Mike's. It's way more I have to like take an Uber or get on the train. So I was like, I'll use this as a, a way to like get me to finish all these. Because I had a lot of work to do with editing. Yeah. It they would just take forever and turn because it was almost like documentary style editing, because we would go out there with an idea and want to accomplish a certain thing. And then maybe it wouldn't work exactly how we wanted or it uh, we'd leave and be like, maybe, I don't know. It doesn't seem like we got it. And then in editing and with voiceover, I would kind of construct a thing and be like, oh, this actually, there's a narrative here. You know, so it was way more intensive editing than if you just shot a sketch. Because yeah, it kind of like abstract if the piece together. Exactly. With ours, it was more like. I was I found so many jokes in the edit and then on top of that a lot of there was like I did this thing with subtitling it you know 
Like now that's such a huge thing because of, with stand-up clips, but I was doing it back then because a friend of mine also did these kind of unscripted type things and he always put those down there and that helped for whatever reason. So I was like, okay, let me do my own style of doing that. So that would take forever because I would do it like word by word and make some oh. of the words bigger and some, it would be, that would have its own style. So the whole thing just, yeah, it was time intensive. Wait, so you literally subtitled it yourself? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you like used the built-in, I guess, subtitling features? Yeah, I just used what was in Adobe Premiere. But I, and I didn't, and it was like very like, you know, if one person was talking, it would be one color. And if another person was talking, it'd be another color. And if someone talked loud, it would be bigger. And sometimes if a punchline was so supposed long. to hit. How long were these clips? Uh, some, you know, there were some that were like seven minutes. There were some that were like shorter, you know, that must've been the most time consuming, that right? Took, it took a long time. Yeah. But even before I got to doing that, I'd have to lock down what the actual thing was, but then sometimes it would change. And then, so you'd have to change the subtitles. Whoa. So it was a lot of, uh, you have a good computer. Um, I just had a MacBook, like a white, uh, laptop back then. That sounds like that must've took forever. It did take a lot between of time. the MacBook and <laughs> that text. Yeah, once I got I, there was a time when I got my like my work gave me um, a newer MacBook or like I asked for it. I, I finessed it. Where I was yeah. like, Well, I need this to do my work, you know, and they were like, OK. And then I started using that one and the render times were so much faster. And it was that that helped a lot. That's huge. Yeah. Wow. That's insane. Um, but as far as marketing it, like I also one of the big re things that helped was uh, one of my good friends. This guy, his uh, his name on YouTube is Magic of Rahat, but his name is just Rahat, and he's this guy who does like pranks that are magical. And uh, he was a guy who I'd helped him with his branding and all this stuff, and I was his manager on YouTube. And so, um, and he had like one of his videos went big, and when that one went big, it all of the people went and looked at all his, his other ones, and he gained like a million subscribers in like 24 hours because what? his one video went. He had like a hundred thousand, and then this one video got like 20 million views, like viral, viral in a way that things don't really go viral anymore. Like it was, I don't know if you saw it, but it was like person. It was like it looked like an invisible person going through a drive-through, like no one was driving the car. Oh, okay. Whatever, but it was. This was like 2013. Um, and uh, and because I had helped him with his branding and made that such a big deal that he had to go through every single one of his old videos and make them all look this same way with this kind of branding, he was very like thankful for that and was like, dude, I don't know if I would have gained this much off this. So he was always really like helpful with anything I, I wanted to do. So when I started to make my own thing, he was like, yo, dude, I'll like push to yours from like some of my videos. So we kind of lined it up where like when I put out my first one, he had a video coming out on the same day and in his end slate end video, he was like, check out my friend, you know, Ben's channel with this shit, you know, and that, that definitely helps some. And then on top of that, it got on Reddit and then it, because that was the first video I put out, it like, it made it so there were people waiting for the next one. I just got really lucky. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. So, you knew from that first one's like immediate traction that like the other ones were going to land. Like you weren't like worried. Um, I didn't know for sure, but I at least felt like I knew that there was somewhat of an audience for them. Like that people liked them somewhat and that, uh, 
it what it I wasn't gonna just be putting them out into a void, which felt good. And I also learned this from like, uh, Lil Dicky was talking it in some interview, and this was like, right after he put out his first one, and he was talking about how he had like, to, I because I I learned from him some. He was like, I had like twelve videos or fifteen videos lined up, even like music videos and like other weird little rap things, and. The reason he said he did that was so that if the first one didn't blow up, that he wouldn't get discouraged because um, he already had ones in the canister ready to go. So I kind of felt like that too. I was like, let me have all these ready so that in case this one doesn't work, that I'm not depending on me being creative again to like make another one. It's like, okay, I already have this other one ready. Let's try that one. I ha You basically have like eight tries at it. Yeah. You know? So you don't feel discouraged and kind of give up. Exactly, exactly. Not letting yourself like be like succumb to whatever the result is. Totally. You're like, I already have this plan. I already have these eight ready to go. So I can't like, I, I already made these. So I have to put them out. That's so cool. Yeah. I don't know. I feel a lot of times I feel that I'm uploading into a void. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, th I think, uh, I think, yeah, I don't know where there's, the right word is marketing or it's like paying attention to the what the like space wants at the time i mean i don't i don't really like the idea of like being like this is what's hot gotta do a harlem shake because that's what people like or i yeah. gotta do this tiktok bullshit because that's what like that is you can always like smell that you can always be like oh this person's just making a thing to try to be viral because that's what the trend is but there is definitely something to be said about like, you know, uh, being like what has already been done and then what would stand out and how is this not like something that already exists. So having that awareness of all that stuff definitely helps in making something that people will fuck with or share, I think. Yeah, that's cool. Because I, I always wanted to like not uh, pander Yeah. while also, you know, being able to go viral and still be funny. I mean, I, I interviewed Chris Reinecker and he does it a really good job yeah. of being, you know, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So he does a good job of like thinking about that stuff when he would make his Buzzfeed content and then for his own YouTube channel. Totally. It's, um, yeah, I think some of it's just luck. It's like someone like say, like just for example, Seinfeld, he happened to line up where, the thing that he wanted to make and what people wanted kind of lined up and it wasn't like he was trying to be like, I'm trying to make the biggest TV show of all time. I mean, I'm sure he had that in the back of his mind. That's what everyone wants when they make a TV show. But he wasn't like, this is like mathematically going to be the best. It was just like, this is the show me and Larry David like want to make. And then it took a little bit, maybe two seasons or something, and then it was – it just happened to be that I, I don't know that I don't know how much we can control like how much our taste aligns with just what the world is looking for you can judge it a little bit you can be like okay this this but I think easily you can start making something that doesn't actually feel like yourself because you're trying to like please something I think you just kind of have it has to line up in some sense that's so interesting because I, I read a lot of marketing books and they all talk about how um, like if you're making a product, it's, you are at the service of like a customer yeah. in a way. So yeah. you're, you're making a thing that 
they are already seeking out or like um, when you make a product and someone consumes a product, it's this idea that um, the people that buy it are already have this like view of the world and they already have this like narrative for themselves and whatever they consume strengthens that narrative that they already have for themselves. So it's not that you're it's kind of like your product is just like the, the thing that it's like the next logical step for this person to consume. Yeah. It's like, of course they would consume that. This is, it's something they would already want. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when you think of art in those kind of marketing terms, because yeah. I think when you're making a product, like I, I just listened to uh what's that NPR podcast that's about people, like how they started up. It's really good. It's like uh, how Guy Ross, how, how, how I made this. Yeah. Something like how that. I built this, how I built this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I listened to the one with the dollar shave club guy and that for him was not exactly like a passion project. You know, it was like, Oh, I have, I have an opportunity. This guy that I know has a huge warehouse full of razors and then now put in this position, he's like, how do I market this in a way where people would like it? And then he made that commercial thing that went viral and he made a lot of good choices. And I think with, when you're straight up doing like a product or an invention, it's a little easier to be like, what does the market want and how can I market this thing in the right way? When you're doing art, art with yeah. quotes, uh, I think that there's a lot more like you, you personally have to kind of like it or it, or it's not going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Like know? for the, for a product, you can iterate on it and pivot when you get different feedback, like dramatically. Exactly. If you, if you go to an open mic and get feedback, you're not going to change your delivery. Yeah. You're not going to be like, well, shit, I should just do like Mitch Hedberg style short jokes. Cause that's what the guy in front of me did. Yeah. Or whatever, you know? So it's a little harder to like, I still think you can be smart about what you make, but there's a little more of like personality involved in, in like uh, genuineness that has to be there maybe. But yeah. I don't know. That's, That's so interesting. It's like your personal style. I mean, you can iterate within the constraints of whatever your style mm -hmm. is, but then if your style isn't, palatable by certain mediums mm -hmm. you might be screwed i don't know i don't want to think that you're screwed but like yeah i think there's like i don't but what do you do you have to be more creative or and yeah, come up with I, a way to I, package it or something yeah because i i think that because there, there's there's a million things every single one of us could choose to make like let's say i'm talking about just like comedian filmmaker type people who want to make content or videos that people like that can lead to a career in the arts or whatever. And you, I think looking at the space of like, okay, what's already been done? What would I want to watch? What if it, what's something no one's made that like I would want to see? Cause that's something I did when I was making stuff. I was like, would I want to watch this if I wasn't me? And that I would constantly ask myself that. And that would help me cut things out or make things happen quicker. I'd be like, is this boring? And then on top of that, it would be like, how is this different from something that already exists? And so I think within all of us, since we have a million things we could do, maybe I'll present this idea in this way, or maybe I'll present it as a documentary, or maybe I'll present it as a fake documentary. You can be like, okay, my idea can fit in this box. And that box is original, and it's also like true to me. I'm not, I'm not changing 
what I actually think is good. I'm just uh, formatting it in a way that will make it be original or possibly work. That's you know? interesting. It's like you have to consciously take that step to say, what will my, how am I create my unique creative style, like serve someone? Yeah. Or, or how, or, or, and I don't even think everyone thinks of this stuff. I think some people, it's just like, what do I want to make? And then they put it out and they get lucky because whatever they want to make and whatever somebody who is a big person who likes it shares it like it just all lines up it happens to work out yeah but i think you that you don't want to hope for that it's like you should also like figure out how to like hack that in a way like how can you optimize your chances of that happening like Like, even to be aware of the process totally it's like the people that we think of as being uh just like pure artists i think think of these things and we may not know it that much like take Atlanta, for example, I'm sure Don Glover was like, has a show like this existed? No. How am I going to get this on the air? How do I pitch this in a way? Like, he he is not interested in making something that 10 people are going to watch, you know? He wants to make something that resonates with people and that feels original and fresh and that and is also true to his voice, you know? I think we all want to make things that a lot of people see because that means that your ideas are getting out there and it has impact on people. So I think it is really important to think about those things or else you're just going to be something with like 12 views in the sea of fucking YouTube. That's so interesting. Yeah. How do you apply that kind of thinking now to your content? So uh, a thing that I did after I made those was – I did this thing for Comedy Central called How to Be Broke. And it was like my digital series for them. And they're really short. Like each one is between a minute or three minutes. And I, the way I came up with it was I was writing some packet for another show that was like a true TV show, some sort of how-to thing. And I was kind of like, yeah, this show's whatever. But then I started thinking about like how much funnier it was to make fun of this show than it was to actually write for this show. Uh-huh. And then I got an idea, and I knew that Comedy Central was making like short form content, especially for Snapchat. And I'm also inspired by like Kyle Mooney and the Good Neighbor. Yeah, guys. yeah, I love them. And They're I think so something good. they did that no one else had done before. When this is kind of like an a thing of like, oh, this is this is new is. They made YouTube stuff that looked like it was just two friends fucking around with a camera, but it was actually scripted. Um, so it would be like the guy with the camera was a character, and how he's moving the camera and zooming in is like part of it, you know? And no one had really done that in a repeatable way, and they kind of, they, and they made it like the editor is a character too, which. Kind of Sasha Baron Cohen did a little bit with Borat, but they made it like bad editing is part of, oh, like this is how janky these guys are, is like yeah. they're bad at editing as well. And that was part of the joke. And th- I think they did that before everyone. And I, I was always so inspired by the thing that looks like it's not on purpose, but you actually have thought all this out and it is scripted. Yeah. And so I wanted, I was like, okay, what if I made a show where a guy was trying to make 
how-to videos and it's called how to be broke so they're all ways that you can save money but he's really bad at it and his ideas are like illegal or borderline like like very unethical um but he's kind of like stupid and thinks as long as you can get away with it it's okay um and they will always go wrong but because he's making it on his own snapchat he like can't go backwards and like so he has to pretend like like even when something goes wrong in the next clip he's got to pretend like that's exactly what i wanted to have happen <laughs> kind of shit uh and i thought that was a really funny idea and it, i hadn't seen anything like that especially on i hadn't seen someone do that for a digital platform like snapchat specifically with vertical video so that felt original to me i was like okay this is on phones and it's a dude teaching other people how to save money. He's really bad at it. And when people start watching it, they're going to think that it's a real thing. And then they might be like, oh, this is scripted, but it's funny, you know? And, I, and it, was, it was made for Snapchat because Comedy Central originally had this deal with Snapchat. And I thought people could be looking through their friend shit and then get to this and it would look just like the stuff that their friends were making, but it would be... So you're kind of playing a prank on them. Exactly. Um, because everything else that hit Comedy Central had made for Snapchat, it was kind of that thing I was telling you before where it looked like too good. It looked like, it looked like you were watching a TV show, and I don't know... Not to say that that kind of stuff can't survive on Snapchat, but I just thought that this would stand out. Because I think sometimes when you see that and you're, it looks like you're watching this super high produced thing you're kind of like oh that's not why i'm on snapchat i could go to tv for this or i could you know so i wanted to make something that felt specific for that platform and then they didn't have a deal with snapchat anymore and it got put on facebook and youtube and i was still like i still want to shoot a vertical because i think that'll make you it feel more like people will be able to make it full screen vertical on their phones and it'll feel more like you're watching a real like YouTube video that some dude shot vertically. I wanted to have yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I think it I think it worked, you know, like some like the first one got on like World Star and people liked it and then it's like another episode was on Reddit and people like yeah, it I I think I it was like a combination of things of like some of it was originality and then some of it was just like Teddy who's in it is just hilarious. You know Teddy Ray? He, I actually don't. He's the dude who's like the co-star in it and he's just really good and then some of the ideas are just like hey that would actually work if you tried that even though that's like fucked up to do you know so i think that's one of the ways like i i took the idea of like trying to make something that didn't feel like everything else and that would fit in the space in some way to this project as well that's really smart and do you do that on your own like personal accounts as well um no nah, i don't really think about it that much on my own Twitter and Instagram. I mean, I've done like little things that I thought were funny, just like a certain like Photoshop an image, you know, this would be funny or like every now and then I'll do something like that, but I don't treat them that serious. Yeah. I kind of just will tweet whatever, take a picture. Yeah. Like, Cause you're your own friend. brand. So it's kind of hard to like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I could, but I just never, I never took it that serious. I, it, it always felt, I don't know. I, I didn't want to make it a job, like of like well, on Tuesdays I gotta post a picture of my face, and then on Thursdays <laughs> it's gotta be an impression. I never wanted to do that. And people that do that, it's smart, and they like gain a following, and then people buy tickets to their shows and stuff like that, and that's 
great. Like I, I have no, nothing but respect for people who want to do their stuff that way. I just never, I don't know. I just never wanted to. What do you think about like, uh, all the people like posting stand up with subtitles and stuff now? It's great. I think, I think people taking advantage of their own platform and then building their own audience so that they don't have to depend on like Netflix giving them a special, which is like, I mean, you know, maybe one out of a thousand people, maybe less will get one of those, you know? So I think the old model of waiting until Comedy Central or Netflix or somebody lets you get your material out there is kind of dumb because if you do that, by the time it gets out there, you're going to be the stuff that you were doing that is very current to who you are now is going to be too old and you're not doing that anymore. So I, I had this theory with my friends about like why stand-up wasn't as popular with young people as it was with like 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 rap super popular with like teenagers stand up not so much you know yeah. and now it's a little bit getting there with like youtube and stuff but my thought was that because it takes so long to get really good at stand up by the time you're getting a set on tv you're like late 20s or something and you're talking about like stuff you're not talking about like going to parties with your friends and you're not talking about like being this you know fucked up person in, in your 20s that like young people would relate to more um, and now I think people are having the opportunity to put out that material. Like maybe you're two years into stand-up, but you've got this funny story about a frat party and you're still in college and you put that up and other people in college like relate to that. that that's what happened to me. I put on, put up this like stand-up bit from UCLA mm-hmm. and I did it my junior year mm-hmm. and it got like 400,000 Facebook views. That's amazing, right? And it's because- That's crazy. All the it, college kids shared it. Yeah. And if you would have waited until you, whatever, Comedy Central gave you something, that clip would never be up there because by that time you would have stopped talking about it. I would that. not do that bit. Exactly. So I think I think it's really cool that people can just, we don't have to depend on a gatekeeper telling us what to do. Yeah. That's that's super smart. Um, What's your opinion on, if you, if, if one is releasing like a new- wants to do a new project and be like, I want to do maybe a season of sketches or um, I want to like start this thing. Should they use their existing social media to do that? Or should they like make a new thing that's just for the new? I Because I don't know how to yeah. approach it. Because I'm like, what the hell do I, am I just going to put up like sketches that are like specific to this? Maybe it's like supposed to be for this audience. For mm-hmm. That's like, um, I don't know. Well, Should I put it on myself? I, regular one or? I think if you're making, I mean, there's no like, you know, best practices is you should do this. But let's say you're making stuff that just is mostly your point of view and you, it's like, I wrote them, I star in them. Some of them I don't star in, but I wrote all of them. They all have this very like me centric thing. This is my vision. You can put those on your own like Twitter thing. But if it is a group thing of like, us five people do this uh the one thing you could do is make an instagram for it but uh everyone else would have to like push to that as well and there would have to be some reason why people are following this instagram like i guess yeah the way you could do it is you make the own instagram or it's just like everyone in the group that's part of it just post to their individual ones of like check out our new video yeah. The, what what a lot of people say to do now is to treat each social media thing as its own, like like don't treat anything 
as a place to just push to something else. So basically, if you have a sketch group, you guys should upload the video natively to Facebook, upload the video natively to YouTube, upload the video natively to like Instagram TV and to Twitter if possible. And maybe you have a link to the YouTube in your Twitter bio or something, but you're not using Twitter to try and push to, you're just trying to make it go viral on Twitter and make a lot of people see it here. And all of those views collectively from all the different things are fine. They don't all have to be like, we're all trying to get it to the YouTube. Uh huh. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, just kind of optimize for each platform. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Can anyone post to Instagram TV now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really? Everyone can do it and should because it's kind of like a newer thing. I it's, didn't even realize. I was for, posting to my channel. Yeah, you can post. Well, the limitations of your channel is that it's only one minute. But now you can do a thing where you can post to Instagram TV and then you can put it in your grid. So the first minute is in your grid and then at the end of it it'll be like do you want to watch the rest on instagram tv and then what yeah so you can do that damn so you could just put full sketches on instagram now mm -hmm. yeah up to an hour i think this must have been going on for months or a year and i'm just way behind huh uh yeah for a <laughs> while maybe since like uh july or august or something that it's been open too yeah the well the thing of like being in the grid is like a real recent thing but the thing of everyone being able to upload to it has been since back then since it first came out and then facebook watch is that open to everyone now not facebook watch but like face everyone can upload videos to facebook yeah I think facebook watch is still like, still you like have to like sell a show to facebook that's their netflix or whatever really yeah you sell them a show uh-huh it, it's like a heard? facebook original yeah really so you have to you can't just submit. You have to have like agents and stuff. I don't really know exactly how it works, but I actually don't quote me on this because I don't know if Facebook Watch is just the name of like their videos that anyone can go to. I think it's the streaming thing. Okay, yeah. If it if it like is where that I'm Jimmy Tatro, Simi Valley, Rose of Simi Valley, because maybe it's this that like they have Facebook Watch originals, which are like you. Oh, that's probably produced by Facebook, Facebook. Studio or like whatever they have, and then. And then those will get promoted extra hard. And I'm not sure, because I just don't ever go on there. I'm not sure if, like, let's say my friend who has, like, 300,000 followers on his Facebook and he's verified on Facebook, if he puts up a video, does that show up in the Facebook watch area? Or is, is it just on his channel? I don't really know. But yeah, but I know that, like, to be one of those shows, like the Jimmy Tatro thing, that's actually, like, you sell it to them. Yeah, and you would have to have, like, most likely, like, They'd either have to reach out to you or you'd have to have reps that, try, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you, people go and pitch shows to Facebook. That's Interesting. Like What's mm -hmm. the, do you know what the top platforms are now? Like, is it just Instagram watch and stuff like that? Or are there like actually new apps that people should be like getting on and stuff? Yeah. Those are, I basically just know the basic shit. Cause like I, like when I was doing all this YouTube stuff and working there, this is like, you know, three years ago. And I still like, like pay attention to what new shit's coming out, but I'm definitely like not the, I know that like I've never fucked with this platform, but I know people have become stars off it is TikTok. Like, yeah. And I think the whole platform is just you lip syncing to songs. That's the entire thing. Yeah. Like, but the, but there's people and like, it's fuck. It's crazy. Cause like they are bona fide famous people who now like make, good money and tour and stuff off of lip from lip syncing yeah 
It's crazy. But that has to be their career. They just do lip syncing. Well, I think no. It's just it's the new way to discover people. Like Jeez. so, like the dude who stars on that Comedy Central show, um, the other two. Have you seen it? No. It's really good and funny. Um, the, so it's about a girl and her brother, and they are both in their late twenties or early thirties, and kind of feeling like failures, and their little brother is a YouTube Instagram star like he's like 12 or whatever and he makes a song that's like have you seen these have you seen these kids who like they were an Instagram star and then they were just like well I might as well make music now you know yeah, but yeah, that yeah. wasn't really their passion and they make this really high produced like horrible like song like and the one in in their episode or the pilot is called I want to marry you at recess and it's like so earnest like he's not trying to be funny in it um and this kid in the whole show is just about this kid being this huge viral Instagram like heartthrob kid and they are like the brother and sister who are in his shadow um, and the kid that plays him they found on TikTok wow because they wanted it to be a kid who actually had been through that who like wow. felt real that's wild yeah damn um, are do you think people are still sorry I'm going so hard into social media nah, stuff. No, I mean it's, it's interesting to talk about. Uh do you think YouTube is still as important platform to post to as it always was? I think it's harder to break into it now than it was before, for sure. Like just cuz there's so many people who are big on other things. It's probably way easier to break in on Instagram or Twitter or something because I've just seen friends do it but I think like it's still the place where like if you can break into it it's the most valuable because the people that are like YouTube like there's nothing like people becoming fans of your like they spend time with you and your face and whatever like depending on what the what kind of stuff you make if you're one of those Instagram people who is just like I want to build a brand and have people love me for my face their goal is always like youtube because that's where you can make like a 10 minute video and people are falling in love with you for 10 minutes and just like my friend i'm spending time with them whereas on these other platforms it's more just like pictures and like a one minute video that's so cool yeah, yeah. that makes sense it's way i think it's way harder to break in now just because it's there's so many it's like fucking people doing it yeah and the algorithm isn't really in your favor if you've never like if you don't have traction already it seems like yeah yeah cool and then um you're recently on comedy central mm -hmm. and then how did that was awesome i saw that on facebook actually oh thanks yeah um how did that happen so when i was doing stand-up out here like ever since i moved here since 2012 i was doing stand-up and um, when I started making uh, the Lie Guys videos and those came out, um, they like someone there was like really into those and also had seen me do stand up and they started inviting me to do their showcases for like their comics to watch showcase or like Adam Devine's house party or whatever. And I would go and do those showcases and I didn't, I never got picked for any of those things, but I was just like one of the people that they knew of. Uh -huh. And then, um, eventually they saw the lie guy stuff and were like we love this Let's bring you in for a meeting and then i met with them and um you know we just had like they were like if you ever want to um you know pitch something like the door is open like we like this stuff and so a couple years later i pitched them that 
uh, How to Be Broke show and also that sketch, the Dimitronox thing. Yeah. And, uh, and they were like, yeah, on both. Like they were like, we want to do these. And then so because I'm like in their family of people and they've just known me for a long time and they've seen me do stand up, I would, I, they like to, I think get, they like to do stand up stuff with people who are also developing with them and who are like, who have made stuff with them. So, you know, I think it just was a natural thing of like, Hey, you want to do a stand up set? Like we're doing these new digital stand up sets, you know? And so sweet. Yeah. They just asked me to do it. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. How old are you, by the way? I'm 29. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Dude. Thank you so much. I feel like I learned so much just now cool. from like all this stuff you talked about. Um, I know we're kind of like coming up to an hour. Um, I was just wondering, do you have anything that coming up that you want to like plug or any cool projects? Um, Social nah, media things you, know, you want people to watch you on? I mean, you can follow me on Binium Biz, B-I-N-A-I-M-B-I-Z on uh, every platform, I think. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll, if I if I have something coming up, I'll just post about it on there. Cool, man. Yeah. I'll definitely try to share your stuff when on the post when I do this. Nice, nice. Cool, nice. man. Well, thanks so much for coming out. I appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning into Working Comic Podcast. There's a new episode every week where I interview writers, directors, comedians, producers, any kind of creative thing you can think of, and also the business side of things. So club owners, agents, managers, festival runners, all that stuff. So tune in every week and uh, also follow me on social media at the Austin NASA on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also catch me on YouTube with Chabros, C-H-A-A, bros, one word. Uh, we have some funny videos up, so check it out. Thanks, guys.